Welcome to the Financial Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how to build your practice from startup to scale up while being the kind of coach your clients crave. Finally, a podcast for financial coaches. Here are your hosts, Maria Casillas and Cody Sizemore. All righty. Welcome back and happy Monday. We are here at the Financial Coaches Podcast to talk to you today about something that I feel that a lot of coaches kind of struggle with, um, struggle with identifying, and it's such a crucial part of their business, and we need to talk about it. It is our duty to serve and talk about this. So the topic is identifying your ideal client. Yes. And I know we recently talked about motivation and I think what you're saying, Cody, is that we need to do this so that we can stay motivated. This is one of the biggest reasons that we need to talk about the ideal client, because if we're not working with people that we absolutely love working with, we are not going to want to continue to work anymore. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's such an amazing topic. Yeah. And on top of that, too, if you're working with people that you shouldn't be working with, then it actually kind of hurts your reputation which then hurts hurts your business, you know? So this is like a really big deal. Uh, And I I feel like it's something that a lot of us, including myself, especially early on, I just kind of glanced over, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, it took me learning the hard way before I actually understood that this is important and I need to figure it out. So, well, don't, don't be too hard on yourself, Cody. That's how a lot of lessons happen in our lives. So it's perfectly fine. Uh, But I want (laughs) to just touch real quick on the fact that you said working with the wrong people can actually hurt your reputation. I want to take that just a quick step further and say it can actually also hurt your clients, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if they're working with somebody who either doesn't get them or doesn't enjoy working with them or can't solve some of the problems that they're actually having, then we're not really doing them any favors either. And I know that nobody, at least not our listeners, are have ever gone into this going, I want to hurt people. They, they're always wanting to go in to help people. And so being able to identify your clients that, and here's the thing, Cody, I think the reason that we get so stuck on this is because we use the word ideal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to use it anyway. Uh, identifying the ideal client allows us to work with the right people who will then be served by us, not hurt by us. Yeah, man, that's good. Did you come up with that little zinger yourself? I did. That's Just good. Just now, actually. That's good. <laughs> well, good. Write that down. <laughs> put it on a post-it note and put it somewhere where you'll see every day so that you can be reminded, is this somebody who I'm going to be able to serve or someone who I'll hurt? Yeah. So, yep. Anyway. <laughs> so I can tell you two, two of the important things that I think are important when identifying an, an ideal client. And this is something that it's actually not identifying who they are. It's just taking a step back and recognizing that we need to have not just someone who we can serve, someone who will benefit from what we have to offer, but also somebody who, who can afford those services. And I think especially as financial coaches, there is this thought of, look, if this person needs help with their money, how on earth could I feel okay charging them to help them with their money? And it's not just us who thinks that, Cody. There are a lot of haters out there who will say that for us, even if the demons in our mind are not saying that to us. So um, I think, though, that it's really important to realize that if we have somebody who can't afford the services, are we really able to help serve them? Now, with that in mind, can you have different levels of services so that you can serve other people? Absolutely. So we want to make sure that we don't think, oh, well, we're not willing to sell, you know, to help people who aren't able to pay us. 
we can just really take a step back and go, how can we help them find the affordability to pay for those services? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that, that that's important, you know, because I think that, you know, especially a lot of younger coaches, I know that I personally dealt with this myself and even I'm even still dealing with it a little bit, very much less than what I was before, but you know, you can't, you kind of want to help everybody, you know, and and you have that soft spot because like, you know, you want, that's the reason why we got into it, you know, is is to help people. It's not to, you know, charge people money, you know, like we got into it because we want to help people. Um, right. But there is, there is that fine line of, you know, helping everyone to the extent that you're actually not helping yourself and Mm -hmm. that's going to backfire. And that, and that feeling of being backfired on will then reflect and actually go on to the client as well, um, yeah. which is not a good thing. So you have right, to be okay right. with with like drawing the line in the sand. Sometimes. Yeah, and it's kind of like the whole airplane thing, right? They tell you to put your oxygen mask on first so that you can then help the young children or the people around you who need that yeah. help. And if you're constantly working with people who are draining energy from you, you're not going to be able to have enough energy for the people who are actually needing that help for you. So I think that that's definitely important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So who exactly is the ideal client? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? What do you, well, I'm thinking, uh, especially since we just talked about energy for me, I think, I think as, as we start to learn who that ideal client is for ourselves, one of the parameters that we can put in, in place for ourselves is, is this person providing energy for me or are they draining my energy when I'm working with them? Yes. And so for me, that's just one of the main important things. And then I think too, that a lot of gurus out there, a lot of coaches, they, they talk about the the niche like you know you have to niche down and be very very narrow and i do believe that the more narrow we are the more ability we have to specifically talk to that person when we're doing things like marketing right like when if we're if we're in the process of trying to write a blog or trying to do a podcast or trying to figure out um how to talk to them on Facebook or any other social media platform it really is easiest if we are kind of if we kind of picture the that avatar, if you will, that we're looking right at them and being able to talk to them just like you and I are talking. However, I think that as I'm working with people in our masterclass, I realize that a lot of times people get stuck there. They're like, well, I have to figure out my ideal client before I can go and serve them. And that's where I kind of say, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I know that, um, if you take the approach that I'm about to tell you, you very well might bring in some people who aren't your ideal client, who might drain you of some of that energy, who, you know, maybe you aren't serving as well as you could if you had found that correct person. Having said that though, all it's just feedback. You have to recognize, you know what, I've got this feedback coming in and I can say, well, this this person wasn't really someone that I thought I was helping. What about that person do I think might not have been? Was it their age group? Was it their area in life? And by area, I mean stage. Was it their stage in life? Was it the amount of money that they were making? Was it some of the problems that they were having? And you can, the more you can start looking at some of these things, you can start to find patterns in the ones who bring you that energy and the ones who don't. And that's how you would be able to kind of create that avatar and develop that niche. So it's actually... That I think that avatar becomes a product of going out and doing the thing rather than having to do it ahead of the actual work. Does that all make sense? It does. And I, I want to double down on uh, what you had said about, you know, someone that gives you energy um, mm-hmm. because 
man, I've had a couple people that have just been so draining for me mm-hmm. and you know, I want to help them. And you know, like, that's why I brought them on. I thought that they were a good fit. Uh, but that was before I actually identified my ideal client. Um, and you know, after getting into it, I just found out that they were not what I was, what I thought. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, my, my excitement to help them was actually lessening every single time because it just wasn't ideal. Um, so we ended up actually parting ways and, you know, it was, it was a good parting ways. Um, mm-hmm. but it ultimately happened because they just weren't the right type of person that I was looking for. And I think that that's, you know, huge, absolutely huge. Yeah. And a couple of questions I have for you, for you actually with based off of what you had said. Um, so you talked about the niche. Is there, mm-hmm. is there like, is there any sort of wiggle room with that or any sort of like chance of like evolving with that? I hope so, because that's what I've been doing for the last four or five years. So, <laughs> so yes, I, I do hope so. Uh, I know for myself, there was this, especially like four or five years ago when I first started, it was this idea of I have to, I, I fell into what I just talked about, that idea of needing to decide who that is right now before I get going. And that's how I discovered that, honestly, that's not the easiest way. Like, let's figure out who do you enjoy working with. Um, even just yesterday, I... Uh, I started writing a list for people for a sales hour that I'm doing, right? So the people that we want to reach out to. And I found myself, the first several people on there were married couples. And over the last several months, I honestly haven't even thought about married couples as being part of my avatar, if you will. And yet I found myself wanting to relate to those married couples because I have so much fun. For me, it's a challenge. Uh, I've had women call me a husband whisperer before because I talked to their (laughs) husband in such a way. I've gotten them to do things that they're like, how did you do that? I I don't even know. Um, But I think that's fun for me. Part of the reason I never really thought about married couples is because it's so easy to get wrapped up in this whole idea of you have to have one particular demographic. And for me, it's not just about the demographic, it's about who are they as as individuals? What's their personality like? What are some of the things that drive them? And over the last couple of years, I've realized that I'm a creative. And because I have a logical mind as well, I've always kind of put creativity on the back burner. I grew up in a very creative family of a bunch of artists, and I'm not an artist. And so I always just took this, I know I'm going down a a slight path here, but I want to tell you this. Um, I took this idea that if I'm not an artist, I'm not creative. And I owned that, and it was a terrible, terrible thing to own because it it just made me kind of squelch that creativity. And a couple years ago, I realized... I absolutely am creative. And the way that we got out of debt was using my creativity. And I decided to stop putting that on the back burner and just embrace that and realize that I was I was using my creativity to make palatable those logical things that were out there from every guru that I've ever met. And so a couple of years ago, I realized it's those creatives who are out there, whether it's the artists or the non-artist creatives who are tired of seeing all of the logical stuff and really want someone who can have fun with this, be creative, put different puzzle pieces together. So that's what I was like, I, that's who I want to work with. I want to work with artists and creatives. And so it was kind of a weird thing the other day when I started recognizing that I was writing down all these married couples because I'm like, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to be working with creatives. 
when I peeled that layer back, I realized, you know what, all of these married couples that I have written down, they happen to have at least one of them have that creative mind. And so it is it is malleable. You can wiggle a little bit and realize, oh, I am having fun with this, this couple over here. And the reason I'm having fun is because they have this creative thing. So I don't know if there's a fun word or an actual word uh, for, you know, the, the, the creative side or the um, just like how their personality is. But that for me is way more important than just how old are they and how much money they make and all those other demographics. Yeah. Dang. Okay. That was a lot. That was <laughs> a lot of, no, no. Like that was a lot of good stuff in there, you know, like. <laughs> Like you just like took that to the next level. Thank you for that. That was awesome. You're so, welcome. It's my story. It's it's how I learn what I do, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, experience is the is the best uh, you teacher. Know, the, the best teacher for sure. Absolutely. Thank you for helping me there. I was drawing a blank, and you just came <laughs> in and you said teacher. I'm like, yep, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. So you had actually mentioned something uh, that I think is very very important, but actually goes overlooked by many people many times. Um, you had mentioned not only talking about the demographics, mm -hmm. but getting past that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I call them psychographics, other people call them different things, but essentially what the, what the difference between demographics and psychographics is, like demographics are like, you know, how old are they? What do they do for a living? You know, all that kind of stuff, like the demographic. Yeah. Whereas the psychographic is more about like who they are as a person, you know, like what kind of person are they? How do they think? How do they act? You know, what's mm -hmm. their values? You know, stuff like that. Um, and I That's think that's the word I was looking for. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you. Yes. There you go. So psychographics, psychographics. Okay. Yes. That yes. makes sense. And that's an area that, that is extremely important. And I would even argue more important than the demographics. Um, mm -hmm. because if you think about it, you know, you could have, you know, the person who is just the right age that you like to help just the right income that you like to help just the right, you know, financial position that you like to help just the right, everything that you like to help. Mm -hmm. But if they're not in tune with what you're looking for mentally and emotionally and value-based, they're not going to be a good client for you. Yes. And you're not going to be a good that. coach for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's talk about. So let me ask this. Let me ask this. I, I, sure. <laughs> I want to find out how do we figure that out? I know I'm just throwing this out at you. Uh, but so it's easy. And here's why I think a lot of us kind of just land on the demographics because it's easy. It's measurable. It's mm -hmm. like we can we can ask them how old they are. We can ask them whether or not they're married. We can ask them, you know, how much they make and what kind of debt they have and, and that kind of thing. How on earth, Cody, do we figure out some of these psychographics? Uh, you mean like like identifying them in your prospecting? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whether in the prospecting or um, like, how do you attract that? I don't know the answer to this necessarily. I just want to throw this out there and discuss this a little bit. Um, how do we attract that person? Because if you're if you're on Facebook, for example, and you're trying to put an ad out there, you can choose many of the demographics. Mm -hmm. How do we choose some of those psychographics? How do we how do we narrow those down? Well, I think that uh, what's really important for your marketing is that you have to be in the mind of the consumer. Uh, and, and it's all about your messaging, you know? Um, 
if you're looking for someone who is like a go-getter and, you know, um, is determined and wants to make their position better and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, maybe hitting them with like a heavier topic, but then turning it around and being like, but that's not where you're supposed to be. You are supposed to be here and you can do it. You just need to do it, you know, and like mm. that type of messaging. Um, whereas, you know, if you were to, if you were to say something like, you know, uh, make 10 grand super quick, you know, like that's that type of messaging, which we've all seen that yep. out in the marketplace, that type of messaging, that's not going to appeal to the people who are hardworking people, you know, the get rich quick stuff. Like that's just people, people see right through that. So it's about mm -hmm. your messaging in your marketing for sure to attract them. And then once you actually have them connected with you and you sit down and you have a call with them, you know, it's more so about just being aware and being intentional about not just being so consumed with the information, you know, mm -hmm. what's their body language look like? What's their tone of voice sound like? You know, is there any sort of hints that, you know, even if they are in like a, a lower place, when they come to see you or they hop on a call with you, that's okay. Because if you, if you can find those little hints of like, man, like they have so much desire to, to be better, then that's a good hint. You know, it's, it's the things that yeah. aren't said that are often the most powerful. Yeah. So you're saying, uh, just to recap for our listeners, that in order to attract them, we have to use specific messaging as if we're talking to somebody who has those psychographics that we're after even more so than the demographics. And mm -hmm. then once we've attracted them and they're in our presence and we're doing that consultation, which we just talked about in a recent episode as well, then we're having to really just start looking and listening for some of those hints and not get so wrapped up in just the numbers or just the demographics, but really start to identify some of those things that, that we're wanting to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I, like I said, you know, they, they can be the perfect ideal client, quote unquote, uh, with every, with all the demographics, but if they do not have the right mindset, that's mm -hmm. going to be a huge struggle for both of you. Uh, awesome. and, and you won't want it. Yeah. I remember, uh, it was months ago when you and I were working together, uh, not on the podcast, obviously, but as coach and client together, when we were talking about how you were identifying your ideal client. And I remember during that session that you had spit out to me a couple of things, a couple of uh, traits that you wanted your clients to have. And at the time, I don't remember all of them to be fully transparent, but I remember one of them was coachability. And I remember realizing that a lot of times as coaches, we, we kind of latch onto these these words that sometimes lack actual meaning for us. They're just like buzzwords and coachability seems to be one of those. You know, I'll talk to any of our coaches in the mastermind or in our groups and we'll be like, what are some of, some of the things you want? And almost every person will say, I want someone who's coachable. <laughs> okay. So I don't know if you remember, but in that session, what I tried to do with you, Cody, is unpack what does that even mean to Cody Sizemore? Not what does it mean to me or what does it mean to someone else? But for you, when you are sitting with someone knee to knee, what do words like coachability mean to you? And the other words that you had used, what did that, what did that conversation and that process do for you and for your business? So the, the conversation that Maria's uh, talking about is one that we had during that, uh, 
masterclass that New Money Habits offers. Um, and to answer your question, um, I would say that what, what that conversation did for me was it helped me get beyond just the surface fluffy words, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I like that word. Fluffy. Yeah. You know, I, I felt like <laughs> when, when I was deemed with the task or, or, you know, I thought about the idea of even coming up with like my ideal client, you know, it's mm -hmm. not something that's like exciting to me. It's just like, oh, okay. I know I have to do this, you know? Homework. So like, you know, I'd come up with like, do it real fast, you know, compass with some cool buzzwords, like coachable, then I'll slap a label on it and I'm good to go. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that that conversation just caused me to like, actually think a little bit deeper and think about mm -hmm. like, okay, well, what does that actually mean? And it, you know, kind of like the, the process of finding your why, you know, like mm -hmm. it's the same process, just kind of peeling back that onion. Um, and every time that you do something like that to where you take a second to, you go a little bit deeper and you find out what's actually happening and what you actually are looking for, it's going to be better for you and it's going to be better for the client too. So, yeah. Yeah. And I also remember receiving a text from you a few days after that. I don't even know if you remember this or not. Uh, but I remember receiving this text from you afterwards saying I was able to sign on more clients because what I did was use these other words that I now have. And it allowed you to speak to them differently. So instead of just giving them the three buzzwords that you had, you actually started using the verbiage that we came up with in that session. Mm -hmm. And it felt more authentic to you. It felt more authentic to them. And they felt more... Um, more connected to you and they were willing to sign on with you because they understood what coachability meant. Like as a coach, you understand what that means, but as an incoming client, they might have no clue what that means. Yeah. And so you were able to give them actual vocabulary that they could sink their teeth into and understand and go, yes, I want to work with this guy because he gets me and he understands that I'm willing to do the things that are necessary to make this work. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that was a pretty big game changer for me. Um, there was a couple elements that I did during my consultations that were pretty big game changers. And that was definitely one, um, just having the, having the ability to be able to communicate that with someone, mm -hmm. uh, on a more mm -hmm. clear basis is, is huge. And I actually start off the meeting with people and, you know, I just say, Hey, you know, just so you know, this is kind of like a way for us to get to know each other. And you're essentially like, interviewing me to see if you want to hire me. Um, mm -hmm. but I am also doing that for you. I'm also mm -hmm. interviewing you and I don't pick everybody and here's what I look for. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to be straight up and be transparent with them too. And especially, you know, if you tell them that you don't pick everybody that might make them feel really good if you decide to pick them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you find them like trying to be the things that you're looking for during that consultation? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I kind of misspoke there. So I tell them that I don't oh. pick everybody and I just say, uh -huh. I look for certain things in okay. people and I'll okay. tell you that at the end. So that's, uh, okay. so that's, that's what I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes more sense. I could see this like high achievers being like, Ooh, I want to be, pick me, pick me. And right. you, like try to be the person. Right. So, okay. Very, very <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, that's amazing. This has been such a great conversation about ideal clients and how to identify them, how to um, set parameters and start to take notes, if you will, on the, the stuff that you're learning as you go along. The number one thing that I would like our listeners to hear is that I don't, again, don't want you to 
to wait until you've identified your ideal client before you start going out and coaching because you don't need to know that exact avatar before you go out and find people. Finding people allows you to create the information for who the avatar is going to be for you. And that is so, so important. And if you're worried about charging people who, you know, might not be the ideal client for you or who you're going to hurt versus serve, then maybe you could look into the, the possibility of doing some beta clients, you know, where you're doing a, a really great discounted rate for them, or you're bringing them in as just a trial, whatever is going to make you feel okay about, um, um, you know, going and serving those individuals, but don't undersell yourself. Don't assume that just because you're a little bit new at this or because you haven't identified that ideal client that you have to do your services for free because that's not necessarily true either. Uh, so that's the number one takeaway I would like for people to get out of this. How about you, Cody? Anything else that you'd like to add to that? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think it really boils down to if you try and help everyone, you won't help anyone. Yeah. I think it really boils down to that for me. And, you know, I, I think that us as coaches, we get into this business because we just want to help everyone, you know, like that's that we, you know, that's, that's our whole goal. You know, I think a lot of coaches, especially in this space have big hearts and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a good thing. Um, but that can often backfire on us and it can backfire on our clients too. And we just have to take the time to be intentional about this topic and actually figure this out. Because again, if you try and help everyone, you'll end up helping nobody. Um, so that's my biggest Fantastic. takeaway. Yeah, for sure. Thank and you for that. Thank you. And listeners, if you like what you've heard today and you would like some help with that, we do have a couple options for you. We have an amazing masterclass where it's very much tailored to you and your needs so you can understand what it is that you're already doing super well and what are some of the things that you would like a little bit of help with so that you can tweak those and change the trajectory of your coaching business. We also have a support element to that. Not only the free version, which is in our, our Facebook group, but we also have an amazing community of coaches who are, we get together every single month and we really start to unpack some of these things that you guys are hearing here on the podcast. So do consider joining us for either one of those. And that's all I have for you today. Yep. Yep. The Facebook group is called uh, New Money Habits Coaches or New Money Habits Financial Coaches, actually. Um, yes. And then the uh, if you guys have any questions that you'd like to submit to us as well, we'd be happy to, to answer some uh, on the air as well. And you're welcome to submit those questions to podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. So thank you guys. Another great episode. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Financial Coaches Podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Sizemore Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and join our growing group of like-minded coaches on Facebook. And until next time, happy coaching. Music provided by Summer School.